0: Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma and I'm Julie and we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs and welcome back to this week's bonus episode. How you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, obviously I'm doing good. We're talking about Viva. Yeah, so this week we kind of decided we wanted to do something a little bit topical and as you know, Justin's album Changes came out on February 14th and he did this really in-depth interview with Zane Lowe. That We watched and we're like, we have to discuss this more, right? I needed a full, what well, we were going to put in as a section, I was like, I need a full episode for it. But that's, these are my favorite bonus episodes when it just happens so naturally. It's like we watch something and we're like, no, we need a full 45 minutes. Well, what's
1: great is because that's exactly what you wanted without realizing this is what we were going to do. Like when yeah. we were discussing, you're like, I just want to talk about something we watched.
0: And you're like, uh, I was like,
1: okay, I've watched everything. So why don't you figure out something
0: to watch? You're like, I don't really think we can do a bonus episode on Don't Fuck With Cats. I was like, God damn it, I know. I actually think we could have. I, we totally could have. Maybe. Yeah, I think we could have. We won't. It's a Patreon thing? Ooh, good idea. Yeah. Anyway, so basically, how we're going to do this, or how we think we're going to do this, it could always change. Is we basically Julie transcribed a lot of the episode. I mean, a lot of the interview, and we're going to go <laughs> all through of the it interview. pretty much all of it, and we're going to kind of go through, you know, read some of the points, do a discussion. But for the most part, we're going to go through kind of as it happened. So yeah. we didn't put it into our own order, is what I'm saying. No, it's it's completely chronological of the yeah. interview. So, the guy who did the interview, he's this man, Zane Lowe. He's a New Zealand radio DJ, and he hosts his own show on Apple's international radio station, Beats One. I was kind of, you know, I guess I had never heard of him, and it's a big deal for Justin to do an interview like this. But I was almost happy that I had no previous experience with this guy because it was totally, he was like a clean slate for me.
1: Yeah, I've watched a few things that he's done, but he's He's really good at deep interviews, which is why I think Justin chose
0: to do this. Also, Justin felt, which if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend, but also if you don't have the time, you can just listen to this. You know, you can tell that Justin felt really comfortable being there. First of all, he was literally in sweatpants and jerseys and vans. And he, he- looks so good. He looks so good, I know. But he also just like, I think he felt safe. The word that I'm looking for is safe. Yes. He didn't feel like this guy was looking for the clickbait headlines. He felt like this was a conversation.
1: Right. He felt like, I think Justin went into this and they talk about this a lot about like how it's not really an interview. It's more of a conversation. And I think Justin went into it knowing that he was going to be able to get out what he wanted to
0: get out of it. Exactly. So we're going to go through it and we'll just see what happens. You ready? I'm ready. So he starts by talking about his new album and he says, quote, I feel like I'm in a cool vein, but this album is super, it's just not very deep. You know, I didn't go there like that. You know what I mean? I didn't go super deep with it. Later on in the interview, they're talking about this, which we'll get into. But basically, you know, he says that he wants to make more music about being married and that this album is just the first he wrote in his first year of marriage and that there's so much more to learn about commitment and building trust. And Zayn says something, which I think is really true. He says, that's what's great about changes. It's a honeymoon record. It would be sort of disingenuous to start diving deeper into that situation when you're just learning about the beginning stages.
1: Right, right. And that's a really good point, which I feel like when people, when I've spoken to people at the album, what they've said is like, it sounds great, but the lyrics aren't anything. And it's like, what he wanted this album to be was like a fun R&B album. The lyrics didn't need to be anything more than just what they were. Basically,
0: in five years time, he's not going to be writing Yummy. You know what right. I mean? Like, Yummy was the—when the, the guy said Honeymoon Record, I was like, you, my friend, should coin that. Yeah. You know what I what mean? I mean? He, he nailed it. He yeah. nailed it. That's exactly the term. So, you know, he starts off asking him why he stopped his tour in 2017 because, as you remember, that was a whole thing. I mean, he was miserable, for lack of a better word. You could see it. It's so funny. When you look at footage of the tour, you can see it in his face. He literally—he looks like he would want to be anywhere else but on that stage. But also, in watching this interview, and Julie made this observation, which I think is really true, his facial reactions are very um, kind of, you know, complementary to what he's talking about. So you see, it was almost as if he was reliving everything they were talking about, and you saw it on his face. So when he's reliving this, it w- you could see kind of, like, the darkness in him.
1: Yeah, it's also, it's not even just his face. His whole body changes with every single question. Like, there are times where he's really tense, and he's, like, bent over talking about it. And then there's other times where— Zane asks him something that he's, like, really excited to speak about, and he kind of, like, loosens up. Like, when he speaks about Haley, he takes a step back, and he, like, can sit and be loose. And then when he's talking about what he went through during, like, 2015 to 2017,
0: he's hurled over again. I have to be honest, and you know I really, really like Justin. I, like, really fully support him. The first couple of minutes watching this, I was a little bit— Annoyed is the wrong word, but I was a little bit like, come on, if you agree to do this interview, at least Well, you could tell how uncomfortable he was. He was was visibly uncomfortable, and I guess I was looking at it because of what we do from the perspective of the interviewer, and I was like, you could at least give this guy eye contact. Right. Like, he's sitting here, you know what I mean? And I felt at first I was afraid that that was going to be the entire thing. It definitely changed, so if you get through the first couple of minutes, you'll see his demeanor change. But the beginning, it was almost like he felt... This is how it felt. As a viewer, I felt like he was forced to be there, and that clearly wasn't the case. But in the beginning, I was like, dude, come on. What
1: it kind of also came off as, and which is probably what happened, is that I felt like until he got comfortable with it, you could see that he was thinking about every single word that he was saying. Like, I think he is so scared to come off either unintelligent or come off and say something ungrateful or say something that he doesn't mean that could be misconstrued. So it's like every single word that came
0: out of his mouth, it felt like he was thinking thoroughly about. And yeah. it like made him very tense. I so agree with you. So anyway, in terms of the tour, why he stopped, he said, you know, he was emotionally and physically tired. And on top of that, he was sick and he didn't know it at the time, which of course was the Epstein bar and the Lyme's disease. And he said he's like, listen, I was, you know, eating really well. I was doing everything that he I was needed to two do. Sounds he's at like, having salmon twice a day like as if that was the he he said it as if people say broccoli you know what I mean as if that was the pinnacle of health as if salmon was penicillin yes exactly it's like how someone say no I was drinking 100 ounces of water he was like I was having my salmon twice a day (laughs) he was like the mom in a Cinderella story on her diet I'm doing everything right I'm having two salmon a day It's so it's like my dad when he says like (laughs) no I just had like three sandwiches today but they were not white bread yeah exactly so Anyway, Zane starts and he said, it's clear to anyone who hears this album and also to anyone who takes an interest in your life as a fan that the two of you, meaning him and Haley, have found a really important bond and this marriage has been a hugely important development in your life. Which, by the way, I know I said this in the beginning, but there's going to be reading it. We just have a to. A lot of reading. Yeah, but then we'll discuss. And Justin said, it's been a really big reason why I'm coming back and why I'm successful at this. She's definitely the reason. There'd be no story without her. She just ties it all together. I mean, she's giving substance to talk about. She's the person that I'm learning to love unconditionally and start a family with. So regardless if I sell another record, I have a lot of peace just knowing that I have the rest of my life to build a relationship with a solid foundation of trust and patience and all the things that go into building a healthy relationship. Listen, he's not telling us something that we don't know.
1: I know, but I you just know? love to
0: hear him say it. I love to hear him say it, but I'm saying like I was nodding when yes. I was when this was yes. happening, you know? And Zane I says— I felt like his marriage counselor, like, good,
1: yes, that's yes. exactly what I want
0: you to say. That's, yes. that's right, Justin. So Zane says that when he listens, he's like, when I listen to what's been said from either of you, it sounds like both of you, to some degree, knew it was right, but you both had to go into it in your own way to confirm or qualify that that was the case. How did you know? I'm reading this, I'm reading this whole one verbatim. He goes, I let her know prior to, her, prior to the tour in 2017 when we were hanging out a lot. I said, I'm still really hurt and still trying to figure out my way, and I'm not ready to make a commitment to you in a way that you know, and I just don't want to say something and, so, and do the opposite. I was at the point where I'd done that in the past and I just was honest with her. I was like, you know, I'm not just in a place to be, I'm not in a place to be faithful and all this sort of stuff that I wanted to be, but I just wasn't there yet. This is something that came up a lot and I know we'll get more into it Which, by the way, Julie and I have not spoken about this. No, not at all. Like, I watched the interview this morning purposely so that we would not have spoken about it before. But Because if you had watched it last night, there's no way that we would have
1: not spoken about it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Because I was dying to speak about it. I also have to tell you that I watched it. My dad drove me into the city today. What did he think? Well, I put it on the thing. So and he was just hearing, he obviously was watching the road. But after, he's like, wow. I didn't know that as bad his parents. I didn't know he was so religious. Like, he was really—he got a lot out of it. Ah, I love that. I it, love that for your dad. It was very, a very educational experience.
1: Yeah, that's great. I know. That's Thanks. good. Thanks. That's good. He needed
0: that. He, he did need it. And I felt like Justin needed your dad's validation. Wait, this is a really good time to make the announcement that I've wanted to say on air for a long time. I have no idea what you're about to say. Ping pong table? Oh my
1: God, yeah. I don't think I've ever said this publicly.
0: <laughs> it, oh yeah, it's like literally your dad's dream. Well, now it like maybe could happen in some alternate universe. Like, no, I'm saying we, at the time, nothing that we ever said could have ever gone to Justin Bieber. Now it's like not the craziest thing. That That's what I sort about of- Jordan Sparks knowing that we love Nowhere. That was the coolest thing ever. Wait, no. hold on. We're going to go on a two-minute tangent here, but it's necessary. Tell them what happened. So we were on Paper Magazine's
1: podcast, and we were talking about Jordan Sparks, and I I honestly don't even know how she came up. But what we were saying was like, "Oh my god, I hope she's good." And we're like, you know, No Air slaps, and I was like, "It still slaps." Like, uh, to understand my relationship with No Air is that like me and Isabel sing that in the car probably like a hundred any time we're in a car that comes on, and like I've done that with all of my other friends too because it's the best car song. Yeah. And it's just been this constant thing about loving No Air and thinking it is literally the greatest song ever. So we're talking about it on the podcast and Paper Magazine Instagrams that clip from the interview of us talking about it. And Jordan Sparks comments on the picture and she's like, I'm doing great. Like, thank you so much for like saying this about No Air. I was like... What, the, what fuck, the fuck, Jordan Sparks? All I do is talk about you. How are you going to know that my number one car song, you know
0: that I now sing? That's what I'm saying to you, though. Driving home back and forth from Syracuse, singing No Air in your wildest right. dreams. I would have thought that right. Jordan Sparks would have ever known that aspect. So that's how I feel. Not that this is getting to Justin, but that like it hypothetically could. So as you all know by now, my dad is a big ping pong player. It's his biggest joy in life. He's the simplest guy in the world and ping pong is all he wants. So much to the point that Julian Isbell got him personalized comments by celebs, Steve Diamond, ping pong paddles and balls as a thank you to taking them to Palm Springs. Like it's, that was the best gift ever, right? Anyway, when I was in college, out of nowhere, I get a text from my dad one day and he's like, I need you to do me a favor. I'm like, what's up? He's like, I need you to write me a letter to Justin Bieber. And I was like, you know I remember this. I was like— We weren't even that close at the time. Like, you were in college, because I I, Insta- I think I, like, Instagrammed it or Snapchat. it I was like, what? Was like, Daddy, about what? He's like, I was just reading an article. He requires a ping pong table backstage every one of his tours. Like, it's in his rider. He needs it. I want to be Justin Bieber's personal ping pong player. He's like, I don't need to be paid. I just want to come on tour with him. He's like, I'll, I'll pay for my own accommodations. I just want to come on tour with him and just play ping pong anytime he wants. And I kind of, like, thought he was like, okay, I am not kidding you. My dad is— Every single week for probably six months. Texted me, like, so that letter to Justin, that letter to Justin. And just this weekend we were talking about it, and I was like, You know something, Daddy? When he goes on tour, I can't tell you what's gonna happen, but I'm gonna try. That would be the best thing ever. First of all, Justin, in the rare event that you happen to be listening, my dad is the chillest guy in the world. You would have the best time. He'll play with you whenever. He's very good. He's concerned that you're not gonna have anyone there that's up to your level, right? He he wants nothing from you. He literally just wants to play ping pong. Your dad's gonna be Justin beat him, he will. I told, I said to my dad, I was like, you can't let him win. Like he doesn't want, people are always letting him win. They're always yesing him. You need to play your hardest. Yeah.
1: Right. And I think that Justin would respect that. For sure.
0: And then they could like chill. Like wouldn't that be
1: the best thing ever? Yeah. I don't even need to go. I would get enough validation from your dad. I'm taking it back. I would have to go.
0: (laughs) I tried to be nice and selfless, but I just couldn't do it. So anyway, or even just at your one concert in New York, whatever it is, my dad would love to do that. So (laughs) and <laughs> we digress. Back no, to the universe. Yes, back to the universe. into the
1: universe. Into the that universe. That would be.
0: Oh my God, that would be so good. Okay, from, I'm manifesting from this moment on. Anyway, um, so you know what I was saying before when when Justin was talking about how he told Haley ahead of time that he couldn't, knew he really couldn't be faithful and didn't want to say something and do the opposite. I felt like a trend throughout the interview, which we'll touch on more, was he has this real and potentially it's because of him getting in touch with his faith and how important um, being faithful is, but. That came up so much. Like, he so badly does not want to cheat. Yeah. And clearly actively works on it. Not, And I don't mean that in like a it's the only thing on his mind way, but like it's definitely conscious. Well, there's
1: a really important part of the interview where he's talking about like doing good for the sake of doing good versus doing good because— it, like he doesn't want to hurt somebody else or because it's the right thing to do, whatever. And he makes the comparison of there is a difference between not cheating because it's wrong to cheat and not cheating because you don't want to hurt the person you're with. And he's like, you see, that's a really important distinction. And I feel like that is something that
0: he learned and he really like took that to heart. He he fully internalized that because you know something, It's a lot. it's a lot harder to follow through with something when you're doing it just because you think it's the right thing versus when it like impacts you.
1: But I also think that you know, being as young as he was and being yesed from the time that he was 13, those are your formative years of learning the difference between right and wrong. And I feel like he never had a real grasp on what the difference between doing something for the sake of not doing something wrong or because you've been told your whole life that it's wrong to do and not doing it because you genuinely feel inside that you don't want to do it because you would never want to harm others. And you're not the center of the universe and things happen to other people besides you. And I feel like He's learning that, you know, about 10 years later than everyone else learns it. Exactly. And it
0: really shows in this interview. Yeah. It, it was kind of like he was bringing this guy, this interviewer, through his own, like, therapy sessions. Kind right. of. He was, like, reflecting.
1: Well, a lot of what he says seems like it was, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it seems like it was direct quotes from what he's
0: learned in therapy. Yeah, for sure. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. This next part that we're going to talk about, I want to make I want to make it very clear. Like, I really didn't like that when I saw, he did this whole interview and all of the headlines are like, Justin Bieber talks about Selena Gomez. It's like, he talked about a million other things, but he did talk about her, so I want to just get into that. So the interviewer says, what was hurting you at that time? And Justin says, I think I was just hurt from my previous relationship. I think I was still dealing with a lot of unforgiveness and all that sort of stuff. To be honest, I don't think I even knew what I was really struggling with at the time. I don't think I knew I was dealing with. I don't think I knew I was dealing with unforgiveness. I was just in a place where I knew I didn't want to tell her one thing, and I felt like she respected me at the time, and I had a lot of respect for her, and I just didn't want to say something, and then she'd see me off doing some other thing. And so, either way, she loved me and seeing me with other people hurt. And so, with that being said, she went out and did things that hurt me, and so it was just, I'm sorry. And so it was just this hurt. I hurt her. She hurt me. And then before tour, we really just stopped talking. At this time, she's talking. He's talking about Haley. I was really upset and rather than, you know, before that in my previous relationship, I went off and I just went crazy and went wild and was just being reckless. This time, I took the time to really build myself and focus on me and try to make the right decisions. And so I got better and she would reach out to people that we knew and check in and she would be like, She's she, she, talking to him off camera now or talking to Haley off camera now and he's like right you'd hear like oh he's doing so well and she'd be so pissed off because she's like he's doing well without me like just normal right and Haley off camera says as much as you want to think you're happy for someone it sucks to hear that they're happy without you so Justin's like so she'd hear this right you hear this and you'd be like what he's doing well that was so interesting Julie I literally could talk about that till the day I die I know Well,
1: because also like aside from anything else, that's like the most realistic part of a relationship that ended is like talking to your mutual friends about how the other person's doing and then being upset that they're doing fine, even
0: though you know they're probably not doing fine. And also you want them on a human level because you care about them. You want them to be doing fine. You don't want them to be hurting. But the selfish part of you is like, wait a second, you're okay without me? Right. It's like you feel so unneeded. Well, also, I think a huge takeaway from
1: this was I think that we always imagined their relationship prior to this as like a casual hookup. Like there was just nothing to it. And I think there's a lot more depth to what they went through previously than we thought.
0: Yeah, I so agree. I mean, I don't want to give this away and we'll get into it when he talks about it. But he talks about like the first time he knew Haley was, you know, we're going to get into that. Because I have 700 things to say. But I felt, I don't know. We, as we always say, if they, if something terrible happens and they get divorced, and let all of the, let everybody else be right, and it's fine. We can easily, we will take full confidence in saying that we were wrong, and we thought that this was madly in love. Um, Yeah, they're not getting divorced. But you know what I mean? Like, I'll take that fall. Yeah, fine. I don't don't care. I don't care. I love this. It's kind of how we feel about Cardi and Offset. We will we'll no, say that those they're soulmates. Two people are soulmates. We're going to say there's no
1: way Cardi and Offset just got put on this earth, happened to have exactly their personalities, and they weren't meant to find each yeah, other. Yeah, that's how we feel about
0: Haley and Justin. And if all hell, if all goes to hell, we stand firm that we still thought it. That's how. Yeah, exactly. Am. So this is when he really talks about how you know at this time during tour and right before tour, he really got into in touch with his faith. And in total honesty, like. Neither of us are really very, I would say, religious people. Like, we feel rooted in Judaism, but it's not something that we're thinking about daily. Right. And he really, he, you know, um, gives credits this as what kind of changed him and, like, all of his faith. And he he makes a really important distinction later on. And, like, I'm not by any means trying to push this down anyone's throat because I think that's a common misconception. He's like, I'm just saying that this helped me. And if anybody else is in the same boat, maybe it can help you kind of thing. Right.
1: He talks about it more, you know, being religious as more of a recovery program than anything else. Like, yeah. he he knows that it helped him personally pull him out of a really dark time. And I think that it's a really important distinction of the way you view
0: religion when it affects you personally versus how you want it to affect other people. Exactly. So, you know, and Zane asks him, he's like, listen, you know, if you never got in touch with Jesus, which really— ultimately led to your reconciliation with Haley. Like, do you think that the person you were then was on a path of self-destruction? And he kind of phrased that very carefully. He was choosing his words carefully. And Justin flat out was like, yeah, I think it's very possible that I wouldn't have been alive. Yeah, he said it was really, really dark. Which we learned in the changes, uh... Well, yeah, because we didn't realize how dark it was. Yeah. They did a
1: really—I I mean, don't in say, seasons. In seasons. I, I don't want to say they did a good job of hiding it, but they did a professional job of hiding it. Like, we knew he was going through stuff. Obviously, you can tell by his behavior. But I don't think we realized how dark it was, and that was the reason that he was going through stuff. Yeah. Because I think that we, as onlookers, have a real tendency to assume that— when young celebrities exhibit erratic behavior, that it's just part of who they are and they're just like ungrateful little celebrities who are running around doing whatever they want rather than being like, okay, there's something really wrong here.
0: Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, when you don't know what's out there, you don't know what the possible—like, my first thought would have been like, yeah, he was waking up and doing lean every day. Right. You know what I mean? Like my my knowledge of drugs from a personal level is so kind of minimal in the sense of like lean is something that I have never considered. It's never in my deal. I don't know. It just It's not my first thought. Do you know, right. what, do you know what I'm no, saying? yeah, that totally. So he then talks about um, growing up in front of the world. And Zane is saying that the idea of music a lot of times comes from this desire to escape something. But then you get out in front of the world and it becomes almost from a place of wanting attention, wanting energy, wanting fame. And we talk about this a lot with like your, you know, your brain gets so accustomed to being on stage and that constant cheering that when you're, you're then looking for the next high kind of. And he says, Justin quote, I mean, just think about how young I was and so impressionable and you have everybody telling me how good, how awesome I was at all times. And Zane says, it's like taking a kid and putting a kid in a room full of nothing but sweets and just saying, I'll be back in two days. So Justin goes, you know, I'll see comments and stuff. And you know me talking about my issues and my problems and stuff. And they're like, oh, man, cry me a river in your Rolls Royce, you know. I want people to kind of understand the psychology behind why I potentially could have problems in my life. So, yeah, thank you for being here and helping me tell that story. This was a moment where I think he, one, the interview shifted. Yeah. Because he, like, broke the, like, I know this is not the term here. Don't worry, we won't get into our argument. So I know, I don't mean breaking the fourth wall because it was broken to start with. But, like. He talked about the interview within the interview. Like, he was like, yeah, this is really cool that I'm getting to explore and explain this in the way that I am.
1: Well, I think he felt really validated by Zayn saying it because I think that something that's happened to Justin is that he knows his feelings are real and he knows that, you know, through therapy that what he felt was real and, you know, through what Haley has comforted him with, he knows that his feelings and his psychology behind what he felt was real to him, but I think to have somebody else who, you know, is familiar with the industry and familiar with music and familiar with other artists to say to him, like, what you feel is real, and it's also what a lot of other people go through, and it's not invalid for you to not feel that way just because you have money or just because
0: you have a career, which that's what you and I talk about all the time with this kind of stuff. It's like, there's a really big, yes, money at the very least is a form of comfort, and and it's to be able to have it is such a gift because you're afforded all of these luxuries and all of these you know, comforts of life that other people don't have. And for sure, there's nothing wrong with being grateful and acknowledging that. But having money does not make it like you are immune to having problems. And I think that there's often this misconception with celebrities that, like, what do you possibly have to complain about? You could be the richest person in the entire world. You still go through the same pain of all of these other things that people go through. Like, you still experience death just as intensely as others do, you know? Like, it doesn't—I think some people expect that it's some coding over your entire life, and it just doesn't work like that. I also think Justin is a really interesting case study in this because it's not like
1: he's somebody who kind of grinded his whole life and knew what he was getting into and wanted this so badly. And it was like he was working for it for years and years and finally got it. Like— he was 13 years old. When you're 13 and you're posting videos on YouTube and you get discovered one day and you're in a meeting with Usher the next and you're on a world tour a week later, like you don't, no one's sitting there and giving you the tools to be able to say like, okay, in eight years, am I going to be happy with this decision? What is this going to do to me mentally? You don't you're, you don't have the capability, the capacity to think that decision through. So a lot of artists can say like, I didn't really ask for this, but Justin genuinely didn't ask for this. Yeah. It kind of just happened. And I think he woke up one day and was like, This is my life, and I'm supposed to be grateful for that, and I know, and I am grateful, but there's also this whole other side of it that I didn't want,
0: and now I'm stuck with. Yeah, it's also like the, but also, these things exist. And I don't think, I think we're slowly getting away from that culture of making celebrities feel guilty for having or wanting to hide the fact that they have any problems because they have to only put out gratitude. And it's like, you can be grateful and also be hurting. Right. It's like a very common, the two can absolutely coexist. Okay, Best part of the interview. Best part of the fucking interview. So Zane says, and by the way, I, I'm sure you've picked it up by now. Haley is sitting right there. So you see him talking her off camera and you can tell that she's in the room. So Zane says, When did you realize it was time for you to reconnect with Haley? Oh. I just felt there was a lot of resolution in my life. I'd seen her at an event, I seen I saw I've seen her with the baby and something just clicked, and I was like, wow, she's the one. I kind of decluttered some of my past and I was able to see really clearly and I had just seen her across the room. She was holding a baby and I had just seen the nurturing look in her eyes towards this baby. And I was like, I want the mother of my children to look at a baby the way she was and just the way she was carrying it. And I just had seen something so special and I was like, I want that. And I knew she could offer that to me. Fuck me up.
1: By the way, I cried at that part. Can I tell you why, though? Why? I just feel like I'm always with a baby. Like, so what? I just, like, the one time I was holding a baby, it wasn't with Justin? Like, if I was in that room holding a baby, would that be me right now? Would I be fucking off camera? But
0: but can I say something? What we talk about all the time with Haley is her maternal
1: tendencies. Well, there's a lot of projection there that he—that wasn't about him wanting a mother of his child. That's
0: about him wanting someone to be maternal towards him. But— do we not always talk about the way that she is with kids? Yes, It's, it's not your average. Like, it's not like any girl holding a baby. That is a
1: really mature, even if it was a projection, even if it was him doing it for his own sake subconsciously without even realizing it. For a 23, 24-year-old man or boy, honestly, to recognize that that is a quality in somebody that he wants as a wife is a really mature standpoint. It is. Especially for Justin, whose maturity I think is sometimes very mixed, and sometimes he does act a little bit more mature, and sometimes he acts a lot less mature than you would expect him to. For him to look at Haley and know in a moment because she's holding a baby and he can see a nurturing look in her, that is a huge, huge thing for him.
0: Yeah, and no, I totally agree with you, and I think that you're—I mean, you're obviously totally right about the projection thing, but it's both. Like, which we'll get into a little bit later, his upbringing and how at times he really didn't feel like his parental figures were— nurturing in the way that he wants to be towards his kids. Totally. That was there. So I think he's longing for it himself. Yeah. But also, you know, he wants to have kids. He wants to have kids young. It's something he's spoken about constantly. So I do think that those are qualities he's going to look for in a partner. Yeah, totally. Oh, it was a good one. So they're talking about the proposal and Zane asks him if he was nervous before he popped the question. And he said that, you know, he goes, I was, and my parents were never married. So I never really got to see what that looked like. And he said he was unsure if he could do it. And, he felt like it was God saying to him that he's going to show him how he can do it. And I didn't realize that his parents were never married. I yeah. thought they were just divorced early on. They were together, uh, like,
1: in the beginning when they first had him, and then they broke up when he was, very I think, when he was, like, one, maybe. I remember that.
0: I Let's just, this wasn't in the interview, but we did a little bit of additional research because I felt like it was important to bring some context here. So... You know, he talks a little bit about his relationship with his parents and saying that, you know, his dad's married. He's doing a great job. And Zane asks if he feels like he can sit down with his parents and have a conversation where he's really open with them. And Justin says that he's in the process of getting there. But right now, all he wants for them is to play the role in his life as mom and dad. Let's go. I feel like it's important to just Yeah, give let's a give a little background on his parents. So. His parents, when they had him, his dad was 19 and his mom was 18. And his mom wrote a book where she kind of outlines a lot of the struggles that she's had in her life. And she says that her childhood was dominated by sexual abuse and violence, and she was first molested around age three. And from everyone, it was a male babysitter, the grandfather of one of her friends, and some of the neighborhood kids. And she talks about this abuse happening from the time she was three until she was 14, followed by an incident of date rape at age 15. She says, quote, I was sexually violated so many times that as the years went by it began to feel normal. It's a strange marriage knowing something is wrong and at the same time finding it familiar and commonplace. That's like a really powerful statement. Yeah. Like, I we're, do, we're going through all this because Justin alluded to it but he didn't say specifics about like the struggles that his parents have had in their lives and why potentially they, why their parenting, I guess, suffered as a result of some of the unresolved trauma, I guess, is part of the reason. Right. And, She talks in her book about beginning to use drugs at 14, alcohol, weed, LSD, talking about shoplifting. She vandalized school property by starting a fire in a bathroom, and she was suspended from school. And when she was 15 years old, that's when she started a relationship with his dad, Jeremy. And it lasted for four years. She, I mean, she left home when she was 16. At 17, she attempted suicide by throwing herself in front of a truck, which led to—she kind of had to do, like, a stint in a uh, mental facility. And that was the time where she really became in touch with her faith, Mm -hmm. right? That's when she credits, like, becoming a Christian. Right. She had a really heavy—like, it's not easy. Yeah, it's a lot. So after her release from this mental hospital, she rekindled friendships that kind of uh, weren't—didn't help her in becoming faithful. And this is when she reconnected with Jeremy. So six months later, she became pregnant. And she gave birth to Justin March 1st, 1994, in Ontario, one month before her 19th birthday. So they were, you know, his mom and his dad were friendly, but they were not dating after this. They were never together throughout his life. Right. Like, yeah.
1: It's interesting because we were talking about the relationship that he has with his mom and the way he talks about her now versus the way he talked about her in previous interviews. And if you remember from like the never say never days and a little bit earlier, Justin wouldn't do an interview without bringing up his mom. He wrote a song about her. He talked about, you know, how she was this amazing single mom. And, I, and of course, that's still true. This amazing single mom who was such a power in his life and such a force in his life and really helped him and navigate and really credit so much of his childhood to her and so much of the person that he is to her and her strength. But when he talks about her now, it's very interesting. He doesn't say a whole lot and he doesn't allude to positive things. Not that he's saying negative things about her, but he talks about a lot of dysfunction and a lot of um, not feeling maybe secure in his home. And what we were saying, we were talking about this earlier, was that it sounds like, you know, from all this healing that he's done from what he went through, that a lot of stuff about his childhood probably came out in therapy and it feels like he's dealing with that now. And it sounds like there's this air of resentment there. Or something along those lines. It just feels different the way he talks about her.
0: Yeah. I don't even know if it's resentment as much as it is clarity. Like, I think for so long, that's his normal, right? Like, he didn't know any different. And then when he took a step back and started to actually analyze what went on, and maybe a therapist could put it into words like, no, that isn't, that isn't actually, like, normal. And these are things that could have been done differently. And pot- potentially things like this is he started to realize that. But also recognizing the fact that, like, you can only do as good of a job as you can do. Like, there's no doubt that his parents were trying to be the best parents that they physically could. But the reality of it was that his mom had a really hard life. Yeah. So she—and in addition now is raising a a kid on her own. Like, that's not easy. And I think he recognizes that. And I
1: feel like a lot of what he went through, he attributes to not having structure when he was growing up. Like, he talks about, you know, that stage where he was, you know, really— abusing drugs and a lot of erratic behavior. And he says, you know, I didn't grow up with structure the way normal kids did. I didn't grow up with a household the way a lot of other kids did. And it really affects me later. And I feel
0: like there's a lot of blame on his childhood now for what happened. Yeah, which I think we're going to get into in a second. But um, he didn't say this, okay? So I do not think that I'm saying this, but he did talk a little bit about the trust and how he sometimes places trust in people too easily. And he made it sound as if there have been some, because he said it as a business owner, there there have been some financial decisions that were made at the best interest of other people. He didn't say his parents, but he oh, kind of alluded yeah, could, to it without yeah. saying it. And it was a little, we'll get into that, but I just, I think that's where we're about to go. But I just wanted to say that I recognize that. Um, just to catch you up, his dad has two kids with his previous girlfriend, Aaron Wagner, and he has... Also, a kid with his new wife, Chelsea B. So, Justin has three half-siblings, but he's the only one of his mom's children and the only one from both of them, right? Yeah. Also, Haley's parents, obviously her dad, Stephen Baldwin, married to Kenya Baldwin. They met in 1987. They were married in 1990, and they have two daughters, Aliyah and Haley. They're still together. Yes. Which just continues to say what we always talk about, about how different Their upbringings were, yeah. We saw a lot in that seasons thing where they went to his hometown, but it's just, it's so different. Yeah. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do wanna conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I wanna introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health, to ovulation tracking, to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, From ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits, they're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby-making simplified. Find free-to-fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. So he's talking about kind of navigating trust and how he has issues with trusting people, but that there are times that he's almost too trusting— and he said he's been taken advantage of and he's working on navigating all of it. Quote, I'm just trying to figure out how to navigate being married. I'm freaking married now and I got the best wife in the world and supports me through so much. I'm really honored to be your husband. I love that line. Listen, they're madly in love. I don't care what anybody says. No, duh. Right? Duh. Right? Yes. So Zayn then asks him about how he knew he wanted to make music again. And we saw this in the in Seasons. Yeah. It was the... I think we said this a couple of weeks ago, but it was when he was on stage with Ariana Grande at Coachella and everybody's reaction to him being on stage and him feeling so comfortable and so alive and it being such a positive experience as opposed to the negative kind of like, almost like obligatory way that he felt in 2017 is like, that's when he
1: felt reinvigorated. Right, and there was a lot of validation for him being on the stage. And I think he had this fear of, when he went through this this stage previously that everyone hated him and that no one wanted to see him on stage again. And when he got back on stage and saw the reception that he got, he realized that, you know, there was that fear element, but he could do it. And it's very similar to, um, and I can't believe I'm referencing this, it's very similar to when Taylor Swift talks about in the documentary where she was like, I went away for a year because I thought everyone hated me and I thought that's what they wanted. It's a very similar thing, and he— And you know what we never talk about with this that's really interesting is that when he was on stage at Coachella, he says, album coming soon. And it's only now that I'm realizing that was a split-second decision to make that announcement because he didn't think about it before. He got on that stage, and he got that feeling back and was like, I'm ready to do this again. That happened in
0: literally a a moment. And that's when Allison says, like, when he got off stage, that's when I knew he was serious. He wasn't fucking around this time. Right, because Alan's, Allison says, like, he got off stage and he was like, okay,
1: sign me up for vocal co- coaching. Sign me up for this class. Sign me up for this training. And she was like, when I knew he
0: was willing to put in the work, that's why I knew he was willing to do it. Yeah. Um, I want you to talk about this moment. <sighs> yes. He, Zayn asks him about the special moment that he came face-to-face with Billie Eilish, who is very clearly dealing with this exact same thing. It's like a public explosion of success and fame. And Zayn asks him what was going through his mind when he saw her standing there.
1: And what it's really interesting because if you so if you see the video, there's this moment when they both recognize each other. And Billy talks about this. She said in her carful karaoke, where she's like, I would know the outline of his body anywhere. And Billy grew up the biggest Justin Bieber fan. You know, posters all over her room. She was the original. Like, she was like us growing up. She was a Justin Bieber diehard fan. Like you. <laughs> like me, not us, sorry. Projecting yes. a little. <laughs> That's why I had a wall of Bieber in my room. I can't believe your mom let you put that tape on the wall. I know, I can't believe it either. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so there's this moment where they both see each other, and they both just stop, and they're staring at each other, and neither of them move towards each other. And Zayn asks him what was going through her head at that moment, and he, Justin says, I just wanted to protect that moment. Which was so interesting. Like, because the way he was talking about it was like, you don't get a do over at meeting your hero. And that's how he perceived that moment that this was a really important moment in Billy's life, that she was finally meeting him. And he was like, I wanted to protect that moment as much as possible because you don't get to do that again.
0: I was blown away by his level of being present in that moment. Me too. Like, I was blown away. It's not like he was talking about this in retrospect. It's not like he was saying, I now recognize how big of a deal that was. He was saying, when he was standing there, he recognized the magnitude of that moment, and he was doing everything in his power to make sure that it was like as, as like, sanctify it, kind of, you know? Right, as special for her as it could be. And this is when
1: he starts getting emotional, and he's talking about, first of all, what he says— about Kobe. And he's like, I just realized, like, especially in retrospect with the whole Kobe situation is that like, you don't get moments again. Like they're, they're very fleeting and you have one chance at things and you really have to take advantage of those moments. And she, he says, he just like, he wanted to be a good example for Billy. And Zayn asks him, do you feel protective over her? And he says, do you want to want to read it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel protective of her. It was hard for me being that young and being in the industry and not knowing where to turn and everyone telling me they love me and just turning their back on you in a second. So yeah, it's hard because I want her to know that she can count on me. But at the end of the day, I don't want to. I'm never going to force myself to be in a relationship with her. It has to be natural, right? So I kind of just let her do her own thing. And if she ever needs me, I'm going to be here for her. He's like very much crying, by the way, when he's saying this. He goes, but yeah, just protecting those moments because people take for granted encounters. So yeah, I just want to protect her. I don't want her to lose it. I don't want her to go through anything I went through. I don't wish that upon anybody. So yeah, if she ever needs me, I'm just a call away.
1: So he's really crying here. And I think this is another moment of like a lot of projection where a lot of people were like, I, I, I saw a lot of people commenting on Billy's post because she had Instagram this part of the interview. And a lot of people commenting and thought it was a little weird that he was crying about her and all these things. And I think that... It was so, you know, she was a stand-in for what he was feeling. And he didn't have that person. And that's not to say he didn't have people in the industry that were guiding him. But I think that he felt a severe lack of, you know, he had Scooter, but Scooter's not a musician. Scooter doesn't know what it's like to get that dopamine high from being on stage and presenting and having every single person tell you they love you. And I think that he felt like if he had one other person that could have helped him navigate that, then maybe things would have been different. And you could tell that he wants to do that for billy so badly not just because she was a fan of his but because he feels like because she was a fan that gives him the opportunity that gives him in, that the in, that gives him the ability to say like if you need me i'm right here for you because i never want you to go through what i went through and i think also with billy i think it's the closest thing that he to him, to his career that, and, and we've seen in an artist where they're so young and so impressionable and their fan base has grown so massively overnight that I think he sees just so much of himself in Billy. And it's almost like, I wish I could have protected myself and it's too late, but I can do it for her.
0: Exactly. He wants to be to her, the person that he never had. Like he's thinking of himself at that time being like, what would, I need someone like me right now for?" for her. You know what I mean? And he wants to be that person that he never had. That's how I felt. And I think it's really beautiful how emotional he got in that moment. Yeah, people are so, because they don't understand, they're like, oh, it's weird that he's crying that Billie Eilish. No, he's get he's emotional reflecting on the fact that like she's experiencing something very similar to the fact, to what he did and he knows how badly it fucked her up and he know how badly it fucked him up and he's so badly, number one, doesn't want that to happen to her and number two, like, is remembering that time. I think also when you have
1: someone like Billie Eilish, she was such a fan of his, it almost seems at times like she wants to follow in his footsteps. And I think he's very wary of that.
0: Yeah. So while he's like getting really emotional, Zane kind of just reminds him about that it's more than just making music, like that being open like this is what is so necessary for change. And Justin says, I'm not thinking about anything other than being present in this interview with you. That's it. We got right now and we got a story to tell. Either we're going to be here and we're going to be authentic and honest and real or we're going to bullshit. And I've just done that for years and it's exhausting. And like, I don't know, I just, that line, I I could imagine how exhausting that must have been. Yeah. And that's why now we see him so real. He's like, I'm either going to do it and be real or I'm just not going to do it. Which is so great. Right. We did see him bullshit for so many years. Yeah. Um, and he says, like, he, he just commands—it's a very mutual—this interview is filled with a lot of mutual respect. Like, Zayn plays e- an equal part because Justin is very complimentary towards him because he feels honored that he's giving him the opportunity to share. Right. You know? Um, So he says he just, like, kind of thanks him for giving him this space. And Zane then asked the question that we obviously were really happy. He asked how he feels about starting a family because— not he didn't ask that out of nowhere. He asked because there's baby sounds on the record. And he says that, like, especially coming from a family that was unorthodox, he wants to start a family in due time. But right now, he just wants to enjoy being married, and that it's definitely a next step. I
1: can't, I can't wait, wait no, for I can't their wait. I can't. kids. The thought of him holding
0: a child is overwhelming. I know. Overwhelming. Yeah. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This was like interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. So he's talking about going on tour again and that he has his priorities straight and he knows what's important. He's like, I know that there's a monetary side to it and being excited because it's going to help me to provide a really nice life for my family. But I also understand that there will be on tour with, there are people be on tour with us that aren't making as much money. And, you know, he wants to make sure that all of those people are heard and listened to and their inputs are valued. And, I really there were two parts of this that I thought were interesting. One was I really liked that he was talking about putting so much thought into making it a positive work environment for his entire team and how like all tours start out as start out as great and then they kind of go to shit because of the negativity that comes up and right. he like wanted to make a conscious effort to not. But the part about the monetary thing I was like, "Wait, just to clarify, it's not like you need this tour to, pro- to provide this good life."
1: Um <laughs> that- No, it's not like he needs it and I think that I th- okay, so here's what I think. I think that Justin had to go through a whole change where he really reorganized his priorities. So right now, instead of his priorities being fame and money and, you know, fans, he has now rewired his brain so that he knows his priorities are Haley and family and God and being a leader. Yeah. And I think that in order to understand when those are your main priorities, you have to make everything else fit that mold. So if you're going on tour, it's like, okay, what am I doing this for? If my priorities are Haley and my family first and foremost, then what is the point of this tour? And to say, okay, I now know there's a monetary side of this, and I can provide a really, really nice life for my family. I think that on some level, he understands that he could have done that regardless of this tour— but it's an extra incentive for him and it's an extra way for him to understand what his priorities yeah, are. Yeah,
0: no, it's so, you're so right. It was almost like he was explaining it to himself. Yeah. Like he was rationalizing with himself in a way. Does yes. that make sense to you? Yes. And then the interview, you know, it's we're, we're kind of at the end, but he basically, Zayn asks him, now that he's maturing and growing with his fans, what does all of this mean to him? And he said that it was younger, it was confusing when he was younger because you're like, oh, that person loves me. Like, you don't fully understand, I think, the concept of being such a star, right? Isn't that what you right. was kind of this getting this part it? was really interesting. He's, do you want me to read it? Or yeah, James? of course. Okay, so Zane says, you're coming, I would let you read Greetings <laughs> at Ham on this podcast if I could. <laughs> Zane goes, also, you're coming from a place where you're, again, getting back to your family, which is where it all begins. We start our journey somewhere with some people, and we don't ask for that. They're doing the best they can, and you have to process that information and move forward. And when you're faced with this adoration and this love, but you're not quite sure what love is, which, by the way, that's what we always say. You can't choose your family. Right. You know? Okay, this is a long one. He goes, there you go. That's big. What we're touching on is big. I don't think people know how big this is. I mean, what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't boast. Love isn't self-seeking. Love isn't arrogant. Look, Straight out of the fucking uh, Bible, am I not? Corinthians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, love is what Haley and I are doing every day, waking up in the morning and making this decision to, you know— we have all these things. Everyone has selfish desires. Everybody has bad thoughts and just pushing those asides and saying, I'm not going to indulge in that because I have something you give me, something that I want more than those things. I wasn't acknowledging them before. I was pretending they weren't there. And you know what comes with that? Self-righteousness. Look at me. Look how good I'm doing because I'm not doing those things. It's the epitome of what I hate, but it's something that I started doing because I'm like, well, I'm saying no to all this other garbage and I'm doing the right thing. So look at me. I'm a good guy. And then people are like, what? Who, who are you to say? You know what I mean? It's like, we're not really good at the end of the day. At the core, I don't believe that humans are good, and people might twist this and make it seem like I'm saying humanity is not good. I don't know. I just feel like at the core, I fight everyday temptation and things that are instinctive, whatever it is. Lie, be greedy, all these things that just naturally come. I got to fight to not be that. Maybe that's my unique thing. Maybe that's me personally. Not because that way, and I just accept that, and I just know that that's not who I am because of humanity. It's just come to a place of being really, you know, it's broken. I mean, just look around. I mean, the pain that's just... He really gets, like, kind of fidgety and— and uh... This
1: part was really—
0: Did you have the same thought that I did
1: here? What? Okay. So this part was really important for me. First of all, going back for one second before we get into him being so fidgety, the part that he says that humanity isn't good or that he doesn't believe people are good, <laughs> that's a really interesting point that, like, I feel like— First of all, that's a lot of Christianity in there, like the idea of original sin. And, you know, you start out as bad, and then you, every day you fight, you know, urges and come good. I just felt like it. his view of humanity and how emotional he got about the world is really telling. It was fucking fascinating, yeah. But also, okay, so this part he gets really anxious and he starts playing with the styrofoam cup. And you notice Haley comes in and brings him a full cup of water. To me, that was so, like— Haley exactly anticipating what he needed. Because her bringing that cup of water had absolutely nothing to do with him needing water. It had to do with her, her recognizing he was getting anxious and fidgeting, fidgety. And if he had a full cup of water in his hand,
0: he wouldn't be able to move that styrofoam cup like that. You Well, if, you list, if you're watching the interview, you hear, like, the styrofoam cup thing couldn't have gone on for more than probably 30 seconds. It was very annoying. It was very jarring. I'm sure production was freaking the fuck out. But they kept it in because— It was so necessary. It was like one of those things where watching it was so important. Right. Like you really needed the visual of the whole situation.
1: And for her to come in, bring the full cup of water, and for him to say like, thanks, baby, I appreciate you. It was just— It was really a moment.
0: I loved that moment. Like that was a really key part of the interview for me. I completely agree. She really knew. She pinpointed.
1: Yeah. She exactly was like, I, I know exactly what his triggers are and what his actions are and what he does when he gets anxious, and I know how to stop it right
0: now. Which listen, if you're if you're a critic, you're gonna say, you don't think production was sitting in the back with her, like, get him a cup of water, we can't have this on on the sound. Yeah, I'm sure that was a thought going through their minds. But what we're saying is that we think she innately knew. Right. You know what I mean? I do, I, I do believe yes, that. it was it was not great from a sound quality level. Obviously. But also, like somebody else could have brought but that. Cup somebody, of water else, from, somebody brought it for him in the beginning of the show. Exactly, it didn't have to be him. Her. Exactly. Exactly so I, I just I completely agree with you. That was very telling. But also, like he was really he was really fucking honest here saying that he fights his temptations every single day, and I think people don't really admit that they don't. It's kind of like I'm just this new person now, but it's interesting to
1: it's interesting to hear him say that him fighting temptation means that he's a bad person at the core or that he believes that people are bad at the core rather than like people are good with bad things mixed in, yeah.
0: It was very, it's very telling about the way he views himself. That's what it is more than anything else. He said, maybe this is just unique to me. Right. He really, like, this, he works really fucking hard. Yeah. Is what it is to be, to be what he considers to be like, quote, good.
1: Well, I think that you can tell that he's not, if, if anything on this interview, you can tell that he's
0: not on the other side of it yet. Oh, no. No. He is so in it. But I think that he wants you to know that. He does. He literally says, I'm in. The, I'm being as present as one could possibly be here. He's ve- this is why going back on Justin Bieber's life in like 30 years when we're looking back at a, at a glance, it's going to be really, it's so rare that we get, like most celebrities do it on the other side. He's fully in it. Yeah. You know? No, he's not in it as as he was during the drugs phase, but this is a totally other level of being well, it's in It's different
1: it. because you see it, you're right, because you see it. During, you know, a quote breakdown. And then you see, I'm on, I'm okay. And you don't see that in between. And he is showing you the in between. You don't usually see artists working on themselves or celebrities working on themselves and showing you like, I'm not 100% there yet, but I'm way better than I was. Yeah, you typically see when they're like on the full other side. And I think this is what brings, draws
0: people to him or to anybody.
1: Or you see them when they're not on the full other side, but they do everything in their power to lead you to believe that they are. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an example of that. It's not coming Demi to me. Demi Lovato. Yeah. Well,
0: but she she
1: was. But yes, she she felt like she was on the other side of it. But she talks about in her documentary, and I don't know if you've seen it. She talks about things that she did while she was still using. And she says, like, I made the entire world think that I was clean. Yeah. She was like, every time I went out, did an interview, every time I was on stage, I tricked everyone into believing that I was fine. And she was like, and part of me thought I was
0: fine. Yeah. Ex- yeah. He's not. He really doesn't want to do that because he did it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of concludes with Zane asking him where he would want to be at the end of this decade since the last decade kind of felt so out of control and that he's worked so hard to get the control back. And Justin says, quote... I just feel like there's so much to look forward to. I'm really excited. I'm emotional thinking about it. And he looks at Haley. He's like, I'm excited to have babies with you. Fucking chills. I am excited to enjoy and just celebrate all the amazing things that we've been given because we are a blessed babe. We talk about it all the time. We just have a thing where we just say, we're so blessed. We are man. There's so much pain in the world and we don't understand why. And there's so many things that are so unexplainable. But what is the reality? We are blessed and it's hard. That dichotomy of like, how can we mourn the loss of someone and accept that we are still blessed? I think that's a really hard thing to discover. But I think when you get there, it's a beautiful place to be. I love whoever taught Justin the word dichotomy. Yeah, it's truly—I mean, it was—listen, my feeling on this interview was it wasn't profound. It's not like he's sitting here saying all these profound statements, but what it was was real. It was really, really vulnerable, and I enjoyed it so thoroughly. I thought it was the
1: best insight to him that we've gotten, even
0: more—honestly, even more than Seasons— yeah, because it was a, it was one flowing conversation, right? He wasn't. It was totally different.
1: Yeah, seasons was like. Also, seasons was so much about the album. For an interview that is promoting an album, it was a very small portion of a very larger conversation. Which is exactly what he wanted, and I think, what Zayn wanted, and what I wanted. What we all wanted. Him quite saying, "I can't get over." Him saying that the moment he knew he wanted to marry Haley was when he saw
0: her playing with a baby is beyond me. No. I mean, when he, when he said like, I, I want to have babies with you and looks her in the eyes and says that we don't get that from our, we don't get that from celebrities. I'm ju- I'm sorry. We just don't get that as much. Like even, I don't even see, even if Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner really are expecting their kid. I don't know an interview where Joe Jonas is going to look at Sophie Turner and say, I want to have, I'm so excited to have babies with you. I just, it doesn't happen as much. I don't know. I feel like we also very rarely
1: see someone like Justin so vulnerable and not just Justin. I mean, like most, honestly, most men in interviews Mm-hmm. To be that vulnerable was a huge step. And they talk about that a lot how, like, how, you know, it helps. Ju- and I think Justin really feels that way that it's not just like he's helping Billie Eilish and he's not just helping other artists. I think that he feels that if he's sitting here being so vulner- vulnerable and talking about what he's going through, that it's anybody can do that. And yeah. he says it. He's like, if Justin can sit here and be so open and vulnerable, then I can too. Yeah.
0: I think that at the core of it, even though he may not agree, I think at the core of it, he's a really good person. And I think he went through a lot and is going through a lot. But I really commend him for working on himself and allowing us the privilege of being in on it. Because quite frankly, we don't deserve it and we don't need it. And it's not only is it great content, it's also fascinating. Well, I
1: think, he's, I think that that's a huge part is I think that he has to be able to see himself as a good person because I think that somebody with, you know, bad at their core – You don't bother working on yourself. If you're truly bad at your core, it doesn't matter. You don't work towards being better for yourself, and you don't work towards being better for other people especially. And I think there's a huge level of self-awareness that we see in him in this interview that we've never seen before from him because I don't think he
0: had it before. Yeah, I so agree. Anyway, we really had the time of our lives watching this. Thank you, Justin, for doing it. Thank you, Zane, for doing it. Thank you, everybody on Scooter's team. Thank you, whoever. Imagine being that baby. Yeah, thank you for that. That's baby. amazing TikTok. Literally, oh my God, that is a mini. Was, was I the baby that got Justin and Haley back together? Yes, I was. Yes, yeah, I was. That's, that's, yes, I did. Yes, we I had to find out who whose baby it was. Um, maybe Alex. Maybe that could be. Oh my God, I have to know. Yeah. Anyway, that was just. I had. I really just had the best yeah, time. Yeah, me too. So. If you want to watch it, great. If not, we basically just told you it all. It might be pointless. Yeah, it might be pointless now. But definitely just watch just to see his mannerisms. Like, even if you just take one clip, because you'll see what we mean. Um, But anyway, we love you guys. We'll see you next week for our regular episode. And I think there's, by the time this airs, there'll be like a day left to vote for us for the Shorty Awards. shortyawardscom slash comments by. Takes three seconds. It would mean the world to us. And uh, do a little review on us. Listen, if you're feeling generous, a five-star rating and a review would be amazing. And uh, we love you guys. We'll see you next week. So, I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like, generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically, when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes, there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.